What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondebold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This episode, we feature guitar maker Kyle Wolf of Moon Guitars. This was a great conversation as we covered what Monday Gibsons are versus Friday Gibsons, the natural beauty of wood and the finite nature of it, what it means to own the process from beginning to end, and how that helps differentiate a custom guitar versus a factory line one, and being the modern hipster lumberjack just trying to go Super Saiyan. Kyle is currently doing an amazing giveaway for a beautiful guitar. Check out the Moon Guitars Instagram for more details. I'll have all the links in the show notes. Good luck, because I'm trying to win that. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcasts. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. I want to talk a little bit about Moon Guitars and, and kind of everything that, that encompasses that. And then I want to go into your, your history a little bit, how you got into it. Um, I think you were playing music for over a decade or so and then started Moon Guitars. Is that right? Yeah. So I, like I got into guitars my freshman year of high school. Okay. Kind of listened to just whatever was on the radio, whatever my parents put on, you know, when we were driving before that. And then someone put, I think we had like a study hall or something, and someone made me listen to Eruption by Van Halen. One time I was hooked. I went home and like I sat on YouTube for like six hours and just watched the same live video of that dude over and over. And then like I had to have a guitar. And then, you know, I, I just I couldn't stop. I got Guitar Hero, started listening to guitar, like in songs more because of that. So that started it. That's amazing to me because it's a Van Halen. Like yeah. you wouldn't think Van Halen and like Guitar Hero and all that stuff kind of goes into play. Like you would think maybe Dragon Force or sure. that's the yeah. that's the only one that I can think of that's like a modern rip, like a modern <laughs> riffage. But that I think actually is interesting to me because it doesn't sound like a generational thing that goes together. But at the same time, like music kind of spans those generations definitely I, I mean i'm a weird case like i'm i'm not quite 30 yet so we're talking like 2005 like i'm super late to the game with van halen at that point but that's still my starting point and it probably was a lot of people's starting point the generation before me too you know yeah and that because that's what i'm thinking because you, you said guitar hero and i'm just mm -hmm. like that there's no way that they existed at the same time, right? Van Halen and and Guitar Hero, but at the the other flip side of that, with the technology, the YouTube videos, seeing uh, the 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 hands on a guitar that I still don't understand how they do anything. Like it just, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been I've been playing for like two years, and when I say playing, I've I've learned some chords, mm -hmm. and that's about it. Mm -hmm. But the the way that you can really get across the fretboard, the the really fine movement of your hands, I just don't understand how that works because I know that it doesn't work for me. Like my <laughs> pinky, my pinky will never never be strong enough to put down a string. I don't think. Right. You were saying in the episode with Adrian, you have you know pain in your hands, right? So it's not it's not even something you physically could train up and practice and be able to do. I was diagnosed with radial tunnel, which is kind of like the the top of the hands okay. rather than the bottom of the hands that you normally do when you're typing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just like tendon pain and ligament pain in my hands 
thankfully not all the time anymore, but it, it used to be a, a much bigger case, you know, a couple of years back. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I, I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm turning 30. I need to see if this can be a part of my life or not. Right. I've always been around music since I was a teenager doing live shows, which is how I, I, I got uh, involved with, with Adrian, you know, booking bands and, and being mm. the back end of it, but never the front end of it. Right. A lot of that was a total lack of self-confidence, but <laughs> B, using it as a crutch. Right. Sure. Using using that pain as a crutch and just being like, oh, I, I don't think I can do that. And then I started playing and I was like, oh, I can do most of this. This is cool. It's just one of the fingers that doesn't work. That's fine. Right. And like it's kind of a I don't want to say double edged sword, but it kind of doubles up on you there because when everybody's starting out guitar, I mean, it, it's almost a trope at this point. Like it's hard to start. Your fingers are sore until you build up callus or until you build up the muscle memory. So like you have tons of people and it's a little bit of a generational thing there where, you know, everyone made you start with an acoustic guitar because the strings are harder and you'll build up the muscles faster and then you can move to electric where like in your case, that shouldn't be the case or there's no way you're going to continue playing guitar. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I definitely started with acoustic and it was not a good idea (laughs) mostly because, so I I got it from one of my friends was working in this used music shop. Right. Mm -hmm. So I went in there and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to probably invest myself too much into this. We're going to see how it works and go from there. And then the the guitar that I got was this bright cherry red Epitone. Ep- Epiphone. Yep. Uh, acoustic that I absolutely loved. But when I got it, the neck already had a little bit of a crack near the tuning. Okay. And I didn't think too much of it. I was like, that's probably not going to do anything to it. And then just like the acoustic strings suck yeah just all the way through (laughs) suck and then when i finally was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out what an electric guitar is i got a little um a fender mustang so and i was like oh yeah this is way easier why haven't i been doing any of this why do my hands hurt way less when i'm playing all these steel acoustic strings when or the electric strings when i'm killing myself trying to just press down the bigger E string on the, on the acoustic. Well, fun fact, the the difference in tension between the strings on like normal acoustic strings in standard tuning and the normal electric strings on an electric guitar in standard tuning is like 60 pounds of tension across the board less on the electric. That's a lot. Yeah, especially when you're talking about already having pain to begin with. <laughs> like it's kind of one of the things that I've had to work around kind of throughout my musical jobs so far because for a while I worked uh, a music store. I was the guitar guy there. Obviously, mm-hmm. at that point, I'd been doing repairs and I did some repairs for them while I was there. But selling guitars and being on that side of it, coming from exclusively doing repairs before that, you know, dealing with parents who kind of same thing like they want to get their kids started with the cheapest thing right they don't really know if they're going to be into it yet they don't want to drop a bunch of money and then their kid's going to quit later or whatever but you're going to have a harder time getting them to practice with the cheaper guitar that's made more poorly the action's way higher it's harder to play and they're going to have a harder time starting where if you spend you know just a little bit more another hundred bucks or so or start them on electric and get rid of that start with an acoustic stigma 
you know, they're going to have an easier time. They're going to enjoy it. They're going to sound more like the things that they're listening to anyway. So they're going to be inspired to pick up a guitar. Right. That was kind of an eye-opening experience dealing with like parent after parent after parent that just had that thought. And like how many people came back to the store afterwards? Like, wow, okay, we're, we're getting our second guitar. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's almost like you're the professional-ish. Like you've been doing it for a little bit. Well, it, it's tricky when you're like, 22 with tattoos and a beard and they don't want to listen to you because you're in a music (laughs) store but you know it's a it's a 45 50 year old guy who's grown up with you know every big band Jimi hendrix and you're going to tell him about guitars and then he comes back a year later like huh sorry you were right (laughs) (laughs) that apology goes a long way it definitely like it, does. it definitely makes you feel a little bit more validated and you're just like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Thank you, person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it's trust on their end too, right? Because they thought you yeah. were full of shit. Right. And they come back and they're like, okay, no, you know what? That guy knew what he was talking about. I'm buying guitars from that guy. I'm not going to, you know, the store manager or whoever else is working. Like I want to deal with the guy that set me straight. Yeah. And that that happens in almost every single sales job, right? Like whenever mm-hmm. whenever they validate you or basically any relationship, right? Yeah. Whenever they validate you and get that trust, that sets the plane and sets the whole tone for your your whole interaction going forward. And it's such a like a nice thing to get that repeat either relationship or that repeat customer and being like, you're my guy. I like you because you actually know what you're talking about. And it that definitely goes a long way. And I'm sure that hell has translated a little bit into your own business with Moon Guitars, right? Definitely. And it's interesting too, because so I'm, I'm in a super unique position and, you know, we can work backwards and get back to it too, as you know, how I got to here, but I'm not the kind of person that wants to sell like as many guitars as possible. I want to make as much money as possible doing this. I really don't. (laughs) I would like to make (laughs) five guitars and have them all be rock solid, perfect, you know, tools that an artist uses for inspiration and and makes someone make a lot of music versus just pumping out as many as I can. Right. So going from retail and being commission based and, you know, really having that push to just get guitars out the door versus now, you know, I'm asking a billion questions and I'm offering a billion options. It's kind of weird being able to pick and choose from what I've learned from sales to now you know, not having that pressure behind the sales and genuinely wanting you to have the best thing you can get from me and making sure that you've explored every option before you decide. Yeah. And that means way more, especially now, right? Where you have such an abundance of choice. Absolutely. And you don't necessarily know where to start. Right. That extra step of care and showing that you actually want to help that person rather than just sell them and peddle them something speaks volumes. You know, that that's such a big step and that will get you more business and more positive word of mouth all the way through all the time. Absolutely. It's longevity, right? You know, that you're going to have more repeat customers or you're going to have people that maybe they aren't ready right now, but they have that experience with you now. So you're in the back of their head for, you know, however long it takes for them to finally be like, okay, I'm going back and I'm hitting that guy up or I'm, I'm going to go shop around and get some more ideas, but then I'm going back to him and I'm going to tell him what I want. Yeah. And that that's actually probably one of the better things to, to do is to, to figure out what you like because I'm dealing with that now. So what I noticed for me playing on that Fender mm-hmm. is I don't like narrow necks 
at all. I want a bigger, wider one. My hand, my fingers are a little bit longer mm -hmm. and I feel way more comfortable on a wider neck. So I have a PRS guitar electric and I have a, a Seagull acoustic. Okay. When I first picked up that Seagull from the local shop that I have here, it was just like, this is, this is it. It just feels that neck just felt so good. Yeah. And I never, I never felt that before. I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird area of guitar building. Like necks, necks are borderline voodoo if you ask <laughs> most people because there's so many different spots on a neck that you can change a measurement so slightly. I mean, the 32nd of an inch, like tiny, and it feels hugely different, you know, person to person, especially, but even on one person. And one of the things that I've really had to hurdle with being, I mean, primarily an internet-based business, I really don't deal with much locally. Right. There's three ways you're going to decide on how you're going to buy a guitar, how it looks, how it sounds, and how it feels. And I'm beat on one of those <laughs> until I can get a little more stock built up and, and kind of get something hanging in a store somewhere for people to try. You got to go by sound and feel and trusting whatever my demo guy says it feels like. Right. But I've tried to do a bit of with anybody local that I have dealt with because I can do anything. I'm, I'm really a custom shop. Mm -hmm. I'll have people either take measurements themselves or bring me their guitar that they like. And I'll say like, bring me your guitar with your favorite neck, bring in whatever you think that you have that sounds the best to you. And I have a couple of different tools to actually copy the pattern of their necks. Oh, that's interesting. And I'll just mark them down and then try and copy it on their build. So that way, you know, when you're getting this thing custom from me, it's going to feel exactly like perfect in your mind. Right. I like that a lot because that, like what you said, there is definitely a disconnect because there's not really a storefront. Right. There's not really that hands-on feel that you can go. There's not really that at all because Guitar Center just closed too. And those local shops are going to be even more like important in the, the, the local internet stuff, kind of like not the local, but the the internet shops, kind of like what you are, yeah. I think is going to be even more important because then you have a couple different people that you can really have a conversation with. Absolutely. Rather than just adding it to a cart and then just, you know, going on a whim being like, yeah, this this might work. Like what you were talking about, I, I it's quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. And then if you look like Gibson just bought Mesa Boogie and that's going to be a huge thing, I think. For me, that shows that the bottom line means a little bit more to them possibly than the quality of their stuff. I, I know for a fact you don't know me because, <laughs> because even bringing up Gibson is a great way to send me right, right <laughs> off the deep end. <laughs> Just in terms of business model, not even in terms of guitars. Like yes. Uh, Gibson Explorer is one of my favorite guitars of all time and that'll never change no matter what the, a new CEO of Gibson decides to do business-wise. Right. But yeah, no, 100%. They went from being potentially bankrupt to buying a major amp company. It's insane to me. I, I, don't under, <laughs> I don't understand it. I would be worried of more lawsuits coming out, but now in the amp world. Yeah, because the, the quality is going to be degraded all the way through. Absolutely. They're going to be trying to crank them out. Mesa's used to be sort of hard to get if you were going to a guitar shop because they had different... A different deals with dealers where you right. can only go to one store in right. a certain mile radius to get mesas. Yeah, they had some exclusivity. Exclusivity? 
There we go. I'll call it right now. Gibson's absolutely going to do away with that. And any store that has Gibson's in it, will have Mesa's in it. Yeah. And that that's kind of what I'm worried about is that they, I don't want to think of them as a Walmart of music, but that might be closer to what they're looking for in a grand scheme of things. I think so. I mean, I'm sure they did it with some amount of faith that it would be a good PR move, that those are two big brands that people like pairing up, except monopolies suck. So (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I don't don't see it going super well for them. And I don't see it going well for people that like either company. You know, right. like as a fan, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, as as soon as I saw that, I was just like, man, as as far as I know, the Gibson brand has been tarnished. Not not just the bankruptcy. The bankruptcy could have been something different. Sure. As far as like a, a public image of it. But I'm I'm more thinking of, okay, now the 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 brand itself has turned into a factory brand. Yeah. It it's not that Oh, you have a Gibson? I need that in my life. Right. And 20 years ago, that's still what it was. 10 years ago, there was a little bit of a shift, I feel like. But that piece of, oh, Gibson is is the pinnacle. It's not the same. No. The world is completely different right now. And that allows space for like what you're doing for those custom shops. And the ones that have a little bit more of that passion to it Mm -hmm. and that individual touch, which I think is so important, especially now with the the climate of everything where people just can't even really talk face to face a lot. That ability to communicate to that one person that's making it from the the beginning to the end of the whole process, that that's such a big, big thing. And, And I think that that would be more important than anything else. Well, and that's, like where 90% of my grief, my angst with Gibson comes from, and it's really a blessing to me now having having this company, is QC. Like the past, you know, five, 10 years has been Gibson not having great PR because of weird legal battles. Mm-hmm. But the past 20 or 25 years, Gibson's been a joke because their QC is awful. When I used to apprentice in a repair shop, the running joke in the repair shop was, is this a Friday Gibson or a Monday Gibson? Basically meaning, did they come in Monday and work on your guitar before, you know, after the weekend, they're fresh, they're good, they know they're going to have a long work week? Or was it Friday when they were trying to get out the door and they slapped it together and sent it out? Nice. That's been a thing for how long? And it still is. That's kind of what I fear with them and Mesa is that now Mesa's will be hit or miss instead of like every... Mesa dual rec sounds exactly the same and you know that. Right. But where that's a blessing for me is, you know, Gibson's such a big company. Was it made in the Kalamazoo factory? Was it made in the Memphis factory? Was it made in this other factory? Like there's all these places it could have been. There's all these hands that changes. And then like you said, you come to me, I'm the guy. There's no one else. (laughs) I'm the guy answering the questions on Instagram if you DM me. And really I'll answer anybody. I answer messages all the time as quickly as I can. It doesn't matter if you just want to ask, hey, what gauge string should I put on my guitar if you know this, this, and this? I'll answer it. It's, it's not even a sales-related thing, but I don't care. Right. I'm just such a nerd for this stuff that I'm happy to answer <laughs> questions if I can or, or give you resources to find the answers. 
but yeah, I'm I'm the guy that'll do it. And if you have an issue or if you want to change something or whatever, you know that my hands were on it the whole time and I'm the one accountable for it and that's it. Yeah. That's where Gibson really like makes me look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that personal touch goes a long way and, and makes your dollar go way farther too. Absolutely. You could spend a thousand dollars on a Gibson and get not very good quality at all at the moment. But you could you could definitely, you know, with with you spend a little bit more, but that's not the point of the whole process. Right. The whole process is to have someone from beginning to end to help you with your journey and that will listen and will guide you into the the right direction. Exactly. I'm sure there are sales reps for Gibson. I mean, I'd like to hope that everybody working at Gibson is a musician and has an interest in it and has some personal investment in wanting to know as much as they can about the product. But we know that's not the case, right? Any company gets big enough, you're going to have to hire people that don't know and they're reading off of a a fact sheet or you know they got to go ask Jerry because Jerry knows everything. Right. Like, there are plenty of things I don't know, but I do know where to find answers to just about anything. Yeah, I I don't I don't know how they can justify what their guitars cost other than the fact that they have the reputation. Well, the reputation isn't the right word because <laughs> the fact that the company's been around for so long. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth on how much to charge over I mean, Moon Guitars is, is turning four this year. Okay. My quality has gone up a lot in the past year, year and a half, just in finding a painter and not having to do that myself anymore. Sure, yeah. You know, I'd, ha- I'd have my parts rate and then my labor rate, and your price would depend on, you know, what specs you wanted, what the parts wound up costing me, plus my stock labor rate. Mm-hmm. I slashed that in half a month ago, two months ago, because I just, I came to the realization that like, I don't need to make that much per guitar. I really don't. I know it it feels right to say I should Mm -hmm. because it's handmade and because Mm -hmm. it's unique and and the quality is what it is. But yeah, I I don't know how they can charge what they charge when robots are cutting out half of the guitar and then somebody is just assembling it basically. I'm cutting everything out by hand. I'm shaping any contours. I'm shaping entirely by hand with a file. Not out of pride, just you know, out of what I have to work with space-wise. But what you'd spend with me goes a hell of a lot further than giving it to a company that's buying up other companies and suing people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got a four-year anniversary with Moon Guitars, which is amazing. Normally when you're in a business right around that three-year mark is mm-hmm. when you know if you can actually make it or not, Right, which is fantastic because now now we got this, this four-year journey in there. And like what you said, the quality has already gone up quite a bit. Yeah, So that's amazing. I do want to start a little bit in the beginning of that transition period between working and playing and all that good stuff to being like, okay, you know what? I, I might be able to do this kind of on my own and get these more custom jobs because I already have all the skills from repair from everything else too. Sure. Right around when I started playing guitar, I started apprenticing in my cousin's repair shop. Okay. I more or less lived in that shop because it was right when it was 2006 or 2007. 2006 it was before Van Halen got back together, which was its own weird, amazing timing to just fuel this fire for me. 
Yeah. Every weekend I was there after school every day. I rode my bike from school to his shop and then home afterwards, you know, went to college and kind of scrambled because I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. That was something I was passionate about, but I never really considered it as a job or a career or something that I could do long-term. I just knew I was going to do it on the side anyway. Right. So I went to college for two years and changed my major like four or five times. (laughs) And the whole time I was in school, my parents were both harassing me about money and wanted me to get a job. So I started working and then stopped going to class and was working in retail like 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, that's how I am and it's how I (laughs) keep the demons at bay is just to keep working. But eventually, you know, left Apple and started spending time in the repair shop again, started helping him kind of get together his own line of guitars. And it kind of just, it hit a point where I was like, I don't know that I want to do someone else's version of this. You know, if if he's going to transition towards building guitars, I do enjoy the repair part at the time. So I'm just going to keep doing that. And then I kept doing repairs on the side while I was Mm -hmm. working, you know, other jobs. I started Mm -hmm. working in manufacturing for a little bit. I worked in a carpenter shop for a little bit. My wife actually said to me, like, just do this full time. You come home from work and then you sit down and start working again. (laughs) If you just did that all the time and made yourself available locally, like you'd be fine. You wouldn't lose any money. It's fine. Just do it. So I did. And it was like a week week, week and a half before our wedding in 2018, I quit my like full-time job and started doing this full-time instead. Not even really building guitars yet, just doing repairs still. That's got to be a very harrowing idea of a week before you quote unquote start your life, right? right. With, the, with the marriage. And you're just like, I guess I'm starting over all the way. Like yeah. what, and, what, what am I doing with my life? Is this a reset button? And we paid for, you know, most of our wedding ourselves. So there, even that money thing in the back of my head of like, is that really a good idea? Shouldn't I have <laughs> stability until we recoup some of that and then make a, a smooth transition? But you know, she's, she knew I was going to brag about her as soon as I said I was going to be on here, but I'll brag about her to anybody I can. She's a scientist. So like she works in cell therapy. She used to work at a company making cancer treatments and now she makes treatments for babies, basically for orphan syndrome or orphan disease. Okay. She's, I mean, she's a just brilliant <laughs> human being, but... That's amazing. I, she obviously makes way more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you have, you have a little bit of that comfort, a little bit there, a little bit of that cushion, but that's amazing because of the... Like what we kind of started, that technology to help mm-hmm. with cell therapy yeah, and just everything that you can do with that to help your body is just amazing. Oh, it's, it's insane. With the company she was working at when they were doing cancer treatments, instead of chemo or you know, other aggressive, harmful treatments on your body, they take the patient's blood and then she would go into the lab, take your blood cells and turn them into a treatment to send back to you to put back into you. So you just get your own blood back. It's not some drug or some whatever in a magic vial. Like your blood cells then attack the cancer. That's nuts. Also, why wasn't that a thought a long time ago? It only really works for specific cancers. Sure. There's only so much you can do to 
you know, T cells and to white blood cells where they'll stay stable enough to, you know, go through all that. Like you said, technology, man, technology in the past 10 years in that field, because it isn't, it's a newer field. Right, right. Just has, has grown exponentially in another 10, 15 years. I don't even know if, you know, people will still be doing chemo. Yeah. Cause it, that is such a, a destructive force. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen it a few different times firsthand as far as my coworkers and my friends that I've got, had to go through it. And it is like, it, it just takes so much from you. Yeah. When you, when you see the bounce back, it's amazing because your body can really recover, especially if it, it's given time and care. Absolutely. It's fantastic to see that chemo is such a destructive force. <laughs> it is, it, it's the nuclear option, right? It almost is last ditch. And what kind of wound up happening a lot with that treatment was because it was more of an experimental treatment at this point, you know, it'd be people who have already gone through three other treatments and then chemo. And it's like, well, you're going to die. Do you want to just try this last thing? What has worked in a number of people. That's beautiful. Because of, you know, all of that and what kind of people she helps. She's also a workaholic. So her working as hard as she does always, always pushes me to work as hard as I can also would, you know, despite whatever income difference, that doesn't matter to us, but that work ethic goes a long way. Yeah. And it makes it easier for me, you know, in terms of the the stress of jumping into this full time, right? Yeah. Knowing that you know, I'm, I'm going to work this hard and I'm, I'm going to put everything I've got into it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work because I put everything I had into it. Yeah. And it also helps when you have that other person that has that tenacity, that same tenacity that you have mm-hmm. with whatever passion, drive, work, whatever that they have and seeing, having them, val- again, having them validate you saying, yeah. you work your ass off all the time you hate your normal job. Yes. Try to figure out what A, makes you happy and then B, what you can really pour yourself into. Right, yeah. Seeing someone of that caliber, someone that smart and doing that much good for the world, work that hard and then tell you you're working just as hard. You're also trying to, you know, make a difference, like follow your heart and do the the thing you want to do. Like hearing that from that person is just, I don't want to say it lit a fire under my ass, but like it really made me believe that I could and that I could do it my way and not just, you know, have to follow in anybody else's footsteps or get anybody's permission or cut corners, which has been the biggest driving force for me. Again, in terms of bringing the quality to the table, I don't ever want to do something just because. I feel like I need to get it done. Yeah. I'm going to do it right and that's going to be it. If it takes me a year, year and a half to get it done, then that's how long it takes because it's going to be right when it's done and it's going to last and I want you know, whoever's going to wind up with this guitar to be happy with it. And 2020 was hell for a ton of people and obviously way worse than it was for me. But I was getting busy end of 2019 into 2020. And then Mm -hmm. I started having all these paint issues when I was still painting things in house in the spring. Okay. So I scrambled for three or four months where just nothing was getting done. I was having this issue where the paint, when I was doing the clear coat, the last coats, all the colors and everything were working fine, getting the clear on nice and smooth. But then as it was curing and hardening before it was 
basically done and I'd be able to, you know, put the guitar together and send mm-hmm. it out the door, mm-hmm. it would start to bleach and turn white. Oh, was it chemical reaction? I thought so, but I was using, you know, matching paints from the same company. I was cleaning everything in between steps with, you know, the recommended cleaners. I was doing sure, everything as, sure. as textbook as possible. And I still don't know what the issue was, but three or four months of just nothing getting done and starting over the same work over and over and over. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if this is the end of this. Like, this is scary. You know, it just sitting and going down and doing the same thing again <laughs> before I finally chalked it up, found a painter that, you know, does good pricing with businesses like me mm-hmm. um, and does good work. And the painter I'm using now does work for the Fender Custom Shop, nice. Ernie Ball Custom Shop. Nice. So I'm getting like, you know, literally... It finishes that you'd spend five grand on a guitar for right on my stuff that's helped everything but yeah just scary it is kind of that same thing that we were talking about a little bit earlier where you know you're you're going to try to do as much as you can by yourself and then you're mm-hmm. when you're just like well fuck everything that i'm doing is wrong i just ruined whatever i'm i've been working on for however many months or if you have a cell phone I am now locked out of my own <laughs> cell phone. I am locked out of everything. My whole life yeah. is gone. <laughs> I guess I should start talking to someone else that actually knows what they're doing. Like right. that. <laughs> also, like you've been doing this for a long enough time to know that stuff should work. And if you're looking at the pieces that you have mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that paint, matching the paints, matching the chemicals, matching everything, it should work. When it doesn't, that's even more frustrating. Absolutely. Because you're just like, I'm doing everything right. What the hell is going on? Why do I have to go out for anybody? Right. But when you find that person, it it, it also alleviates so much stress. Absolutely. You know, it, it was a necessary step. If you want to consider it my business's history, because I'm clearly not going away. <laughs> it was a big step forward in the quality of paint for sure, because now, you know, there, I have way more options for paint jobs. Because it's a custom shop that deals with this stuff all the time and they stock all kinds of metallic sparkles and stuff where I was doing everything with aerosols here. It was it was necessary, but it was so stressful, you know, wanting to do everything yourself and and not wanting to have to ship things and all that. Again, brought the quality up. So I I can't be mad. I'm just mad that it took me so long to get to the (laughs) point to decide to send them out. Yeah, I'm kind of dealing with with something similar where I did not know how to record, edit, or anything before I started my show. Right. I've been doing this for a couple of years now, but I've started going to local studios first. Okay. Because I knew I knew nothing. <laughs> and I didn't want to learn anything either. I just wanted to talk. <laughs> right. That was my goal. I just wanted to talk. So when I'm doing this and I, I, I go in and I was like, you know what? I don't really want to spend the money that I'm doing every time that I'm doing this. Yeah. And Everyone else that I know that has any kind of passion for music, passion for audio, passion for anything, learned it by themselves. Right. And you can control so much more when you can do it from the beginning to the end, kind of like what we talked about. Absolutely. The underlying thing, though, is how much work you want to put in your own work before you're just like, fuck it, someone else can do this. Yeah, it's like pulling the value out of a different step, right? Like, does it matter that much to me to paint it myself or to edit the levels yourself? Because right. how much are you actually doing? It's time you could be spending doing other stuff. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. You can you can balance your life out a little bit more, right? Absolutely. You can steal more time for yourself rather than having to we talk about passion projects a lot, but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to make that your whole life. Right. You can actually like break it open and once once you start finding a that the quality and the price isn't too bad, the quality especially it goes up and it it helps your overall product. Absolutely. When when it helps your end goal in mind and you're able to still have that control, that finishing touch here and there is amazing. Just that that release of being like okay, I've done as much as I can. I'm going to give it to a professional that knows even more than I do in this one specific thing. Mm -hmm. And now I feel a little bit more comfortable asking for that help when I need it. Right. And depending on what it is and, and, you know, it's a situational thing, but sometimes then you can learn more about that just from handing it away and not doing it the way you were doing it. Especially with the paint now for me, there, there's just there's different steps now that I'm able to take care of to make the finishing or the finished product better. Like on the back of my guitars, most of my guitars are bolt-on necks. Mm-hmm. I use a a rounded plate, but I inlay it into the body so that you know where your hand meets that heel, it's a nice smooth transition. Right. I w- was doing it before where I'd cut the pocket for that plate before I'd paint it, and then when I was painting it. I would just, you know, keep as much paint out of that little pocket as possible so that when I go to put the plate in later, it's not a super tight fit or you're not having to take paint back out when I started sending them out. Now they're not paying attention to that. So I had these Uh, super tight, you know, or I'm starting to crack paint a little bit around that plate as it's squeezing its way into that tight little pocket. Now I just do that afterwards and everything's fine. And it's a nice clean aesthetically pleasing little smooth spot. One of the things that I I really like about guitars too is just the wood choice and all the different designs of the the natural designs that come in with wood. When when you look at building a guitar, Mm -hmm. what is the material that you're looking for? Is there something specific that you're looking for? Do you source it in any specific way as well? Sort of. I mean, I've kind of narrowed down a list at this point of... Vendors that I know are getting their wood responsibly. Okay. Okay. That's just a, a personal thing. I want to know that I'm not actively participating in any shitty practices. Right. I, I kind of just go for stuff that's pretty. <laughs> Someone I, I I just started doing some business with that was, you know, just asking me shooting the shit. They were like, You seem like a guy that that collects stuff. What's what's your what's your vice? What do you collect? And I was like, I actually don't. I'm a super dork and my thing <laughs> is my business. I just buy pretty pieces of wood when I see them come up on a couple of my vendors on Instagram. Like, it's the worst. I'll see a piece of wood and I'm like, that's fine. Give it to me. (laughs) How much is it? Ah, shit. Well, I need it. So give it. (laughs) When you're looking for woods for guitars in general, you want hard, stable woods for necks, something that's not going to warp or twist over time. That's why maple is kind of a staple. It's really dense and, and holds up well. With bodies, you can kind of get away with anything depending on the hardware. So the prettier, the better. <laughs> I love that. I just, I got to find just pretty. Like that's, that's my whole life. Like, it, oh man, I, I can see that too. Cause if you're into it and you just scroll and scroll and you're just like, Ooh, let me just add that to the cart real quick. I'll come back and then we'll look and see if there's something else. Yeah. I don't know if you saw my Instagram post from the other day. I had a follower hit me up 
basically letting me know that Ernie Ball has a trademark on not their specific headstock, like a lot of companies, but on the 4x2 tuner layout in general and not the shape of their headstock, which screws me because I had a 4x2 headstock design that I was using on certain models. Right. I haven't gotten a cease and desist because I'm still small enough and haven't gone to NAM or any of those things yet. Sure, but, sure. You know, I don't want to even cross that bridge, so I immediately scrapped that design, but I had three necks that I'm in the middle of that were about to have that headstock. So I had to scrap those necks and order new wood. And so two nights ago, I'm sitting in here on my computer, kind of beating my head against the wall like, God damn it, they got me. They got me. I didn't research hard enough before I came up with this design. Right. Shit. And now I'm you know, out a couple hundred bucks on the wood for those necks, but I'm sitting in here like, all right, well, what am I going to get to replace those necks? <laughs> <laughs> Just flicking through website after website of my different vendors like, ooh, that looks nice. No, I don't like that one. Ooh, but that's sweet though. <laughs> I, I love that because... Uh, <laughs> You can, I just think of like you sitting next to your wife and maybe she's shopping online. Right. And then all you're talking about is just, oh, look how pretty this wood is. Do you see this? Look at this. And she's just like, I don't care. Like, this is nice. It's like you've been in my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's again, she's a super smart person. She has picked up on so much of my nonsense lingo and different woods and different pickups like i'm amazed sometimes that i'll say something to her and i didn't lose her right right but like now it's a fun guessing game for her when it comes to woods and now i i kind of i i do it to her a little bit i'll be like what is this come on tell me what it is you all right here you go you can you can smell it if you want what is it (laughs) (laughs) it kind of looks like maple nope that's roasted maple gotcha roast get out of here roasted maple all right she got it right it's fine (laughs) Yeah, it counts. It came from the same tree. <laughs> that's, I, I can just imagine that. That's that's a fantastic little dichotomy in there. And I, I do like, so thing, I think it's always important that kind of like what you're saying is that your support piece can share part of your passion. Absolutely. Can at least be a part of the, the conversation, be a part of the life. And that that's really fantastic. That's That's got to feel good as well when you're trying to go through all this stuff and being like, okay, I have kind of free range. I can be responsible, but also this is really pretty and I think I want it. Yeah. At least again, for me, and I am in a super unique position as far as most things go. But when I do buy something because I just happened to see it and it was pretty and I wanted it, I then tell her because I'm not a dick who just buys things and waits (laughs) till they get here for her to find out. Right usually it goes how much did you spend and then i tell her and then i show her and she goes oh okay okay (laughs) i get it like the the one that always gets me is curly redwood because you can't just harvest redwood the only time you can cut redwood is if a tree falls on its own or if it's a danger to you know highways or power lines or whatever then they'll carefully log it so like whatever redwood shows up is just what there is. And if you don't get it now, you know, when if you want it later, you may not be able to get it. So if I see curly redwood pop up because it has this nice big flame and this just really pretty figure, if I see it, I grab it. I have a, a pile of it downstairs. I haven't used it in I don't even know how long, but one day, 
one day, man, I'm gonna have a little <laughs> dragon's horde of redwood down here. I like that a lot because that that is your little your niche little uh, dragon's lair. All your gold is just the the redwood. But I I I don't think anybody would really think about that. No, that it is a very limited and finite amount commodity. Yeah, because it has to be natural. Like if I don't think a lot of people understand that you can't just chop down this big ass redwood because they're fully protected. Right. All of that, you have to just wait for it. One of the, one of the things for me is that I like going out into nature and I, I've been to the redwoods a couple of times and I don't know if, if you've gone and explored anything. I haven't. I probably wouldn't come back. Well, that's that's definitely one detriment <laughs> of it. You'll just be, ooh, shiny, ooh, shiny. <laughs> oh, these are going to be guitars one day. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what you do. You just go up to that like three or four hundred foot tree and be like, you're going to be it, buddy. I'm just going to use this one little chunk of you. That's thank you. But I, 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 I was thinking of being a guitar maker, going into the woods and looking just at the natural wood that's around you. I think that would be like a surreal experience when you're in that headspace of saying, I know what I can turn you into. Yeah, it's it's definitely a unique place to have to live in my head, because I mean you you'll you'll get people who don't know as much that you know they'll they'll cut down a tree on their property. And they're like, oh, can you turn this into guitars? I'm like, well, no, because it's dumb, <laughs> or it's not big enough, or it's got rot in this section, so it's not usable, right. or whatever. But yeah, no, there's there's some trees that and and maple is a good one to point out where you know flamed maple is not magic that just happens inside a tree it's from tall heavy maple trees where over time that tree's growing all that weight is bearing down creates this compression in the fibers of the wood and that's how you get these like quote-unquote flames right but you can see it on the outside of the tree you'll see these like ripples in it so you know when you go to cut down that tree or you know if it falls down or whatever if it's got those these these like like a like a pug how they have the rolls on the back of their neck or on their yeah, nose yeah like that those those ruffles to them if you see that that log is going to be spectacular and so when i'm walking around in the woods i see something like that i'm like you you don't know it but inside this tree is crazy wow okay so you're you're almost like a modern day arborist like yeah yeah is that that's just got to be a counterproduct or I don't know what the word is, but that's just got to be just a, a piece of your journey with guitars in general yeah. is understanding the wood and then understanding where it comes from, how to source it, all that stuff. Because like what you said, you want to source it responsibly. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to res- source it and possibly keep sourcing it and and having it sustain itself and, and giving back because we hear so much about the forest being completely destroyed and gone. Well, and not even just man-made, like deforestation and stuff. So one of the big primary woods for guitar bodies, and especially in fenders, is ash. Swamp okay. ash, if, if you know, you're buying it online. Ash beetles have been destroying the North American ash population. It's gone from something that like maybe half of American strats and tellies mm-hmm. were had ash bodies to ash is now like three times as expensive as most other body woods because you just can't get it because they're they're 
killing it. There's going to be no ash left in like 10 years. Wow. So vintage tellies, like, you know, 50 stuff are going to be even more sought after, not even just because they're vintage and they'll be, you know, 70, mm-hmm, 80 years mm-hmm, old. Mm-hmm. They're going to be woods that you can't get anymore. And that's not even something that we can necessarily control because it's just, it's just bugs, man. It's just nature doing <laughs> what nature does. So yeah. trying to find alternatives that, that look like ash or that sound like ash. Yeah, it, it's something that, I mean, I kind of got into backwards. I feel like a lot of guitar right. makers are woodworkers first and then they get into guitars where I got into guitars and then, you know, I started a, a real, or quote unquote real, woodworking job and learned more of the basics and more like how the process of, of building furniture and like bars and, and different things like that work where, and that's, that's more where I started to appreciate, you know, more of this, this arborist type stuff because I was, I went from working with stuff that's pre-trimmed, you know, I'm buying neck blanks that are close to the size of a neck and I'm just trimming it out versus every Friday or every other Friday, the truck comes and we unload all the raw boards. Right. And I'm seeing the bark and, you know, a, a tree basically all sliced up that we're going to take off the truck and put in the, in the shed. Like that's where I started to get more of an appreciation for it because you have to work around these defects and these splits and these knots and different things and learning, you know, why they're there or why that's a structural weak point and you want to avoid it. Um, why the white section on the outer edge of walnut is not something you should avoid but most people don't like to see it because they like the the purple color of walnut sure, you know sure different things like that i didn't even really think about until i had to <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really like that mentioned it a little bit so we're we're in your cousin's shop mm-hmm. after school getting repair work mm-hmm. and then he kind of builds his own customs i think you were saying and then you take over a little bit of the repair work. So yeah, that was that was the deal. And then you know I was still doing repair work on my own anyway. Our plan at the time, you know, this is right around when I started Moon, maybe like right before. Sure. You know, I had gotten a couple orders. I had built two or three guitars. I think I built myself a Tele. I built myself an Explorer with wood that like my then girlfriend had gotten <laughs> me for my birthday or Christmas. Um, I had built my best friend a Tele. And like shown him how to do it. So I kind of even learned a little more about the process of building from, you know, teaching someone else. My cousin kind of just didn't really enjoy me starting to also build guitars <laughs> and do repairs. And it kind of got into a, I don't want to say an ego battle because I, I really, really try not to have ego. I know it's impossible. I know it's like the entire journey of Zen and finding actual happiness is to not have ego. But yeah, I, we, we butted heads and had our uh, words and now uh, he does his thing and I do my thing, but it was, you know, a couple people here and there hitting me up like, Hey, I want a, I I want a base, but I want this non-standard thing that I can't buy in stores. Right. I I want a P base, but I want it with this pickup layout and I want this kind of neck that I can't find anywhere online. And I did, I don't know, five or six of those before I was like, okay, well, I like the building guitars and the designing of it, really the designing of it more than anything, more than I like doing the repairs. So 
I'm going to start to lean in that direction and, and kind of do the repairs more to um, kind of fill in the gaps. Right. You know, when right. I don't have builds or when I just need steady money, because repairs are never going to go away. Everyone needs their guitar set up seasonally. You know, people are always buying new guitars that, you know, they need stuff swapped. People want new pickups. That's, that stuff is always there and it's reliable. When you are someone like me who cares about quality as much as I do, I mean, you do good repair work, but just you, you wind up with a lot of repeat customers. And so as people were bringing me repairs and they come in and drop stuff off or pick stuff up, they'd be like, what the hell is that thing hanging on the wall? <laughs> like, oh, it's something I'm building for someone. They're like, oh, you build stuff. And like, it just, it just snowballed until, you know, I, I formally start the company right around our wedding or no, actually it was the year before our wedding because We'll have been married for three years this year, but Moon Guitars will be four. Right. But at the beginning, again, I was I was mostly doing repairs and just building other people's shapes. You know, I do you know five or six other people's shapes guitars, and I go, all right, well, if I'm putting my name on these, it's only a matter of time before I get busier and I start to get the negative attention from companies I'm copying. Right. Right. I have to come up with something, and I'm. Typically, I know we touched on the fact that I'm also a musician, but when, on the music side of my brain, I'm not somebody that's creative in the way that I can usually start an idea. I'm the kind of person that I'll take your idea and run with it. You know what I mean? Okay. If, if someone else comes up with the spark, then I, I, I can go, but I don't usually have the, the original building block to get off the ground. And... I forget who said it to me, but they, you know, I had this block in my head of like, I don't know how I'm going to design my own guitars. There's so many. Like, right, right. How, how am I going to reinvent this wheel in a way that's distinctly me, but it's not like, oh, that's a strap, but not quite. And someone finally said to me, you don't have to. That's fine. You can be almost that. You want to be not quite almost that as far as legally goes. But like body shapes aren't that legally protected anyway. It's usually just headstocks. Okay. Yeah. I, I finally got over that mental hurdle of like, I have to be completely original and design this thing from scratch. Like the, the one in my picture that you're talking about with the pointy horns, the, my blood moon model. I mean, it, it does look similar to a strat and it, it is uh, pretty close to a strat on the bottom half of it, but the top horns I completely changed the location of compared to a Strat. I've had a number of people now, especially in the past, well, not the past year because of the pandemic and I haven't had anybody over here to play anything. <laughs> but, you know, right around the beginning of that, before we all started really quarantining and paying attention to it, right before I also had my slowdown and I had some stuff, I've had people come in and sit down with a Strat that I've built, have this like Jimi Hendrix style Monterey Strat and a Blood Moon. And like, it's way, way, way more comfortable to sit with the blood moon because of where that horn is. That makes sense. And that's, that was the first one I designed. There's two things that I really like about that. One is all the designs are kind of out there. It's okay. Like you <laughs> yeah. can tweak it. It's fine. Yeah. The same thing with music though, is that most of the songs that have been written or that you're going to write have already been written. Right. And you can just tinker a little bit. Yeah. And that I think that was the context that that conversation came from was, again, just how my brain works. I hear 
almost any song and in my brain i'm like that is exactly like this other song and i'll start singing the other melody under or the other words over this new song and like when someone pointed that out to me and that that's okay and that that's the same that like there's no truly original content i was like oh okay all right i'm just being overly picky right okay you know like yeah exactly like music how many maroon 5 put out that song last year that is literally Paco Bell's Canon and D. There is nothing different about it. He's literally singing da 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 like and and yet it's a hit song and nobody's gonna call him on it. Right. Mostly <laughs> mostly because nobody knows what classical music is. But that's True. that's a, another True. that's another conversation. But <laughs> so that's that's gotta be such an eye-opening thing for you though, because I do that exact same thing too. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I hear a song and I was like, that part is from this part that part or that guitar is from this song. Like mm-hmm. I, I can hear the sounds and even if it's not the exact same sound because amps are different, yep. effects are different, yep. plugins are different, whatever, it is still the same structure. And then you can, like what you're talking about, whatever you're thinking of, put it with that tune mm-hmm. and then that's exactly what happens. And you just, you, you go into this little spiral almost, at least I do, mm-hmm. of... Oh yeah, this goes with this that goes with this. When when I was younger, I made mix CDs all the time. Oh yeah. And my goal with those is to find an ending part that matches with a beginning part of two completely different songs. Cool. So that it flows, right? Exactly. My proudest moment. I'll, I'll never stop talking about this because I, still when I'm 15, this is still my proudest moment uh <laughs> when it when it comes to anything. There's a a Thunderbirds are now song, I think, that ends in clapping. Okay. And there's an elbow song that begins with clapping. And it was just like a brilliant transition. <laughs> I love it. I wish I still had that mix somewhere <laughs> because for me, like that was my crowning achievement. And it was really just the the sounds are the same. Right. The the songs are completely different, but the sounds are are the same. And it's okay to kind of have that that starting point. Mm-hmm. And what I think might be also interesting for you is not having really that creative starting point of, oh, this is my original idea, because I, I think it's also very difficult to come up with original ideas. Yeah. In a band playing music, the ability to polish someone else's idea and to build off, off of that, I think is sometimes even more important than just getting the spark, because then you, you have the, the, the spark, sure, but you got to be able to stoke it. You got to be able to add more to it right. to have a bigger fire. Well, and I mean, even if you want to think of it in terms of like cooking too, to to just in more of the same thing, but different, there are so many different cakes, right? But a cake is cake. It's, it's flour and eggs and sugar and butter sometimes, but you can have your own signature or original or whatever cake by just changing it so much outside of those base ingredients that people don't recognize it compared to other people's cakes or other people's songs. You just keep screwing with it and messing with it and changing things or adding things until like it's technically different. Yeah, it's DNA is the same, but it's technically not the same. I, when that dam broke for me, and that's basically what it was because I had at that point, you know, close to 10 years of, of repair experience under my belt. And I'd seen so many different kinds of guitars and I really understood how guitars worked and what on a... a fundamental level was making them different once that that it doesn't matter that yours isn't completely original thing broke 
it was a flood. I went from having one original design that I was like, eh, okay, it's kind of like a strat, whatever, to like, nah, F this, I got it. I got six different designs ready to go and I could change all of them a lot. And you want to do a seven string version? I got it. And like, it's now at the point that, I mean, I've got more designs I'm going to release this year. I've got more models I'm going to release this year. But like, I think designing guitars now is my favorite part because that mental block is gone. There's no, you can't, there's what can you come up with? You know, what, what flavors do you want to mash together to come up with your new thing? Like I'm that kid at the, at the soda fountain now. Yeah. Yeah. Putting six different ones together to see what I get. And I think it's one of my favorite questions that's come up. I do my own live show on Tuesdays. I call it shop talk Tuesdays. Or, you know, I, I let my Instagram followers ask me pretty much whatever they want. Lately, I've been interviewing some other businesses to just kind of spotlight the, the people behind the pictures of guitars. But one of my followers asked me, they're like, who are your guitars geared towards? Like, who, who is your target market? Because two of the ones I have for sale right now, the, the one in my picture mm-hmm. on, our, on our screen here, and then a, another one that is sort of like a hybrid between an Explorer and a, and a Firebird, mm-hmm. but it has Tele stuff on it. It's wild. And if you look at it, you're like, I don't know who the fuck would play that. <laughs> but there's plenty of guys that play Tellys in heavier bands. Yeah. So like... What if you like the sound of a telly, but you don't want to play that same shape that's been around for 70 years? Like that. I, I'm, I'm here for people who like the sound, who like the feel of things. They just want something different, but you want something that's quality. You don't want to take a, you don't want to be Eddie Van Halen and take a chainsaw to an explorer and cut it up to make it different. Like, I mean, you could do that and that's cool and I'm not going to knock that, but that's that's kind of how i approach all my designs right now you know i want to give you something that's familiar that that you're expecting but that looks different or it feels different or i've tweaked some things you don't really notice to make it sound completely different just to give like i said earlier more more inspiration to musicians because the most common theme and the most common feedback i've gotten for every guitar that i have sold or or has gone to an artist because I have done some for free. Uh, hopefully, never again. But I have done some. <laughs> Every single time someone gets one of my guitars, it is now their favorite guitar, and they cannot put it down and stop playing it. That's as good as it gets. I don't care how much money I make. I don't care how many guitars I build. If I've put more music on this planet by proxy that way, then I did something, and that's that's what matters to me. And like. I don't. I forget who I was talking to online that I said this. I don't know if it was even something that wound up being published, but I have no selfish desire to be like, ah, I'm best friends with this artist now, and I right. built him a guitar. Like, if that happens, and I'm sure it will, but whoever famous musician buys one of my guitars, the crowning achievement in that for me isn't that it's that person or that like I'm friends with a famous person now. It's I'm going to get more music out of my favorite artists because they're not going to be able to put that goddamn guitar down and they're going to write <laughs> 10 new songs and then I get a new album. Like that's, that's where the selfish is for right, me is that right. I get more music to listen to. And then for you too, it's almost having the biggest impact on the most amount of people. Yes. That's, that's your way to impact the world. Yep. That's a satisfying feeling. And just knowing that your hardware 
your guitar, your instrument that you put your time, money, effort, all that in, mm-hmm. and is now being broadcasted basically to anybody that's a fan of this person. Yep. Now it, it's a, just a completely different thing. And, you know, hopefully it goes back to where, oh, yeah, that person's playing it. So now I get a little bit more business. But that's not the point. The point is to seeing that on stage, hearing the end result of that artist with this instrument making whatever music and knowing that you were a part of that in some way. Yeah. I I hope that I get more sales because more people want that inspiration and not because more people want that piece of hardware because it looks cool or whatever. That's fine to me, but I will get more satisfaction knowing that music is being written, that music is being performed. You know, someone is just spending time playing music and not staring at the doom and gloom on Twitter. Like (laughs) that's what drives me to, I mean, come up with crazier ideas really, but to just never stop doing this, no matter what hurdles get in the way. It's, it's what made me keep beating my head against the wall last year until I decided to send stuff out to a painter. Yeah. I, I I don't ever see me stopping doing this because the, even the, the few people that have gotten guitars from me so far, and the few that I have going out the door soon and who I know they're going to that I can't say yet because they don't know. I, I have this one friend that has bought several guitars from me and then he gifts them to bands that he knows. Oh, man. He, I mean, he's a freaking hero, Travis. You're the man. He's given a couple to a band called His Golden Messenger. And then I have one going out now that's going to a band that I, you know, I can't say just sure, in case. Sure, sure. But... uh. Hopefully, by the time this comes out, they'll have it, maybe? Or they might not have it till March, but either way. Eh, you'll find out. It'll be fine. But just that yeah. that little piece. Also, one of the, the pieces that you just kind of mentioned is one of the reasons why we're talking about is that belief in yourself from other people mm-hmm. and being able to be like, oh, yeah, I want to be able to gift your stuff to other folks. I want to be able to spread your word, your message or whatever out because you're doing great work. I want to be able to support you in whatever way that I can. It's a little bit of that. And like with this specific guitar that, that's going out to the, the secret person, this person has broken a handful of off-the-wall instruments. I, I think they play strats mostly. They break them. They ju- I don't know how. The last one I saw that was broken, I saw pictures of, I literally, I asked, I was like, what did he do to it? <laughs> how? How do you break something like that? And so... Travis wanted me to build him something that he won't be able to break. He wanted to give him something higher quality than what this guy would normally go for because he knows he's going to break stuff. So he keeps getting stuff that he can easily replace. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Because if if you go through a $400 guitar, that's not as bad if you're breaking it every single night. True. Or you don't want something custom because if you're out on tour, because this is a, this is a band that you know has played it like Lollapalooza and stuff like that. Like, sure. If you're out in the Midwest and you are at a gig and you break a guitar, but you have another gig tomorrow night, if that was your custom guitar, now you are beat. What are you going to do to get that signature sound or that that right. feel that you need or whatever? Whereas if you just have a stock Fender Strat, you can go to Guitar Center or wherever and go get another stock Fender Strat and you'll be okay. So you know he he wanted to take away that fear from this person, but also give him that inspiration of like. Yo, this one's really nice though. What uh, what new tunes are you gonna write with it? 
<laughs> I like that. And actually, maybe be responsible with this one this time. Maybe. <laughs> Please don't break maybe, it. Maybe you only bring this one out for like the special solo and then you put it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could I can imagine him having uh, just a rack of guitars on stage because he's just breaking them through <laughs> the entire set. I used to feel a certain kind of way about like relict guitars, beat up guitars and people that destroy their instruments like, you know, the, the Jimi Hendrix burning the Strat or Pete Townsend smashing guitars with the Who. But like, I, I don't know if it's the older I get or the longer I've been doing what I'm doing now. I don't care, man. If if that's where the passion takes you that night, like, hell yeah, destroy it. I'll make another one. Yeah, because you can always make another one. I think that's that's the the idea is that you can always make another instrument, but you can't make another person. Right. Well, you can, but not that one person. And you may not be able to recreate the emotion or or the magic that night of that performance exactly exactly if that's what happens in the heat of the moment i think that moment is way more important for you and the audience than you know oh that guitar it just had this magic feel to it it's like there's no magic to a guitar dude it's it's math and science (laughs) i promise i can recreate that oh it sounded a special way (laughs) we can get there i i love that are you currently playing music or was that just part of the the kind of journey that you're on now are are you planning on maybe playing in bands in the future too for the longest time i just played guitar by myself what sucks now is that the only time i play guitar is when i'm setting somebody's guitar up you know i I play test riffs and that's it i don't really not that i don't have time but i don't give myself time i'd rather be working on them than playing them until uh, until about three three and a half years ago Right around when I had started my company, I started going out to a local open mic. I met Jake Falana of Kid Felix. I mean, now he's a super close friend of mine, and mm-hmm. I, I built him a custom acoustic and you know whatever. That dude just has this personality with everyone, but with musicians especially, to like make you actually want to do it and make you want to perform. And so I went to this open mic, you know, just to start meeting people in the local scene and to get my name out there. Sure drum up some business. I think I went twice and he was like, so when are you getting up there? I was like, uh, I only really play guitar, you know. <laughs> I just make them. I know how all the, the parts work, but I don't know how to play them. <laughs> well, I'm a decent guitar player. Uh, I have good feel. I never really took lessons. I taught myself, but I listen to music so much and I, I have decent rhythm that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good, but he was like, all right, well, that's not an excuse. So next week, you and me are going to get up there. <laughs> tell me what songs you want to do and we'll do them. And we did. We did... I don't even know if I remember all three songs we did, but we did three songs and I was like, all right, hang on. Now I have to, I have to do this. Okay. I have to figure out, I used to have a mental block against singing and playing at the same time. Yeah. And I didn't realize it was a mental block. I thought I just couldn't do it. Like if I would start to sing my right hand, my picking hand would just, the rhythm would turn off and it just wouldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what clicked. I don't really remember how I got to actually being able to do it, but I I found a couple songs that I was able to do and just I never stopped until, you know, until the pandemic hit. I was at that open mic every weekend with him and started singing. Like I I really didn't sing before that unless like I was in the car by myself wailing away like a banshee, like Of a, course. Like a creep. <laughs> I'm the guy sitting at a red light, just way too into it. One of one of my more embarrassing moments in my life, ish, ish, <laughs> is being at a stoplight, and then I remember like 
screaming, singing to like an Alkaline Trio song, I think. I don't remember. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a very good song. And I think this is right. also what kind of goes with it. But I didn't realize that all my windows were down. Oh, that's always how they get you. I'm fucking belting. I'm just letting it all go. And then I look over and there's like three kids looking at me and being like, Mm-mm, it's not mm-hmm. it, man. It's not mm-hmm. it. And then I just pull the window <laughs> up and then drive away. <laughs> not going to speak for the rest of the day. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I've absolutely been in that exact situation. Although I don't even think it was, I don't even know what the hell I would have been singing at the time. <laughs> so at the open mic, you know, I, I do a little bit of rock. I do pop songs. I've, I've had a couple solo gigs just doing, you know, me and an acoustic, same kind of thing. I, I got past the mental block of like, you can't sing. I, I was, I used to sing a lot when I was a kid and Again, the theme here is that my family sucks, but (laughs) (laughs) a lot of telling me what I can't do and not what I can do. They tell me to stop singing like all the time. Kids are annoying. I get it. But, you know, I got past that that mental block of like, you can't be a singer, dude. You you stink. You should just be a guitar player. And in the last year, but yeah, before I gave Jake his custom acoustic, I went into the studio and recorded a couple songs with it because it was this beautiful alcoa which is a super rare wood same kind of deal as redwood you can only cut it down in hawaii when a tree dies yeah it, it sounded so good i was like i have to record a couple songs with this i have a friend with a studio i have this guitar i've been doing this long enough my voice is strong enough now to be competent on my own like i'm gonna do it and so i, I have a couple songs on spotify they're covers i think i covered one of kid felix's songs and then i covered uh Stone temple pilots interstate love song oh nice that's a little uh cute tribute to you know the the guy that inspired you too for the kid felix right yeah and and i know they're a local band they've played at mmrbq they've, they've played a little bit bigger of a, of a scene but i don't know man something about him and his voice and the energy they bring like i was i was hooked the first time i saw them in 2013 or 2014 most local bands don't get me that way right but yeah it was, right it was that i was i i made this guitar for you from nothing and now also i'm going to cover one of your songs with it because you inspire me and i know that this is going to inspire you to write music and same thing I think he had it for two weeks. He was like, dude, I haven't put this thing down. I wrote 10 songs with it. I was like, what do you mean you wrote 10 songs? What do you mean? You have like two albums with the band. That's, that's nuts. That's so cool. Like that's, oh man. It's, it's almost like you get, you get something and you're just like, oh, this, this is it. This feels great. Uh-huh. And then you just, you're not able to put it down. That feeling I think a lot of people go after and chase. Oh yeah. Of that that next thing that okay, what is what is going to come in my life that I'm not going to be able to stop. Right. I mean, I didn't give him a lot of say in the guitar. Yeah, in the in the creative process for that. I I had spent enough time listening to him sing and then spending time with him in open mics. I know what his other guitars feel like. I've set those up. So, I knew specs wise what would feel good for him and i had an idea eq wise what would fit well with his voice and how he projects because he's a tall guy but like he's got a just a booming powerful voice when he wants to use it even though a lot of times he's doing like sweet softer pop songs and stuff at open mic like he can open it up and and sing so he needs a guitar that even unplugged is going to carry underneath that 
stupidly powerful voice that when he decides to dig in, you know, it's not all of a sudden like, who's yelling? Oh, there, there's a guitar there. Okay. Okay. And so like I, I designed the whole thing and I think I let them come over, uh, him and his cousin come over and like see it before it was, st- it was still in pieces and it didn't have finish on it. Sure. Sure. And then I went blackout on him and didn't give him any updates till it was done, till after I'd recorded with it. I'd gotten a bunch of pictures of it, everything. Oh, that's so cool. And we cool. surprised him with it. He didn't know what it was going to sound like. He didn't know what it was going to feel like. So like genuinely when he opened that thing up and it was made, you know, tailored exactly to him, I think that's probably why he couldn't put it down. You know, it was Kyle spent a year making this for me exactly for me without asking me any questions. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> You know, it feels exactly the way his Martin feels. The neck is made exactly the same shape. It's the same scale length from from the nut to the bridge. And it has this sound that just, it sits in a mix right under his voice. And like, it's always there and it's present and it's got all this volume. So if he strums a little harder and sings louder, it still carries with him. Yeah, it was it was a really cool experience, but that guy inspires me nonstop and makes me want to make more music. And now again, having... A friend with a studio, uh, Joey DiTulio at, at the Arm Studios. Yeah, I, I can't not make make music. I am limited right now by my computer setup. I know I have sure. people running recording sure. the audio for this, but I, when I was in college, like I had a, a iMac and a MacBook and a little MIDI controller, and like I was the person that like everyone would come in and out of my room and hang out. Sure, I had video games and a TV set up and like there was always people in my room but anytime anybody would come to my room I was sitting at the computer working on music that's great just covering stuff I I couldn't stop and I haven't been able to do that in a long time so I'm hoping this year I'm gonna get a new computer and kind of get a little setup going in here and like just dig down and write a bunch of music because I just I don't know it's it's been long enough now I I think I've got enough chops and ideas <laughs> to, you know, start to put something together. And kind of same thing we talked about with the mental block with building guitars. Like I didn't know I could write music, but that same thing, like start with something and develop it and change it and develop it and change it until it's your own thing. It doesn't you don't have to come up with a chord progression that nobody's ever heard or some super original riff like it can sound a little like something else and it probably should if you want to get followers yeah yeah i mean there's definitely that part of it where you want to make music that a lot of people will enjoy yeah instead of just yourself right Mm -hmm. what i really like from you is kind of the same ish journey that i've had where always being in the background of it and always being like the support piece for musicians and trying to work on your own stuff here and there. Right. Mm -hmm. But that mental block that you kept talking about, like that's, that's such a a really nice thing to be able to break through and recognize too, because that, that self-confidence piece Mm -hmm. is such a a hard thing where I hate editing because I hate my voice. It's not really the the process of editing. It's just hearing my dumb voice over and over again. For, for an hour of editing and just hearing, just nitpicking your own voice the whole time. Like, God, why the hell do I speak this way? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yep, I feel you. Yeah, yeah. So that that right there is just getting comfortable in your own skin a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's That's really the bottom line for that, but also finding those people that believe in you that can help you believe in yourself. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Like just that little, that opening of the dam, like you said, I mean, that 
that lets you go through and lets you actually run free a little bit. And now your whole your whole life's ahead of you at, at that point. Like you're you're the world is your oyster, so to speak. Absolutely. And you're able to really go in and and enjoy yourself. What what I was thinking of as someone that's playing guitars and building guitars, like was there anything that translated into okay, I've tested out so many different guitars myself. I know what I really want out of a guitar. Was that piece there when you started? And then the other piece is where where was that starting point for listening to other people, to wanting to ask the questions of, of figuring out what's good for them? I think having the repair background is more the second part, you know, finding out what people like on their guitar and how to get their guitar that way. It, like I said, it's all math and science. So it's all, I'm just remembering measurements for the most part or different combinations of pickups and, sure. and measurements, you know. For me, and a guitar for me or a sound for me, I mean, everything I make really is my flavor. I'm extremely picky in guitars I do like and my, my taste has no rhyme or reason. I just like things for some reason. <laughs> Started with Van Halen, so obviously I love the Frankenstrat. I love right. Strats in general. I somehow eventually came around to becoming a really big John Mayer fan, and I know people love to rag on the guy, but he is an incredible guitar player. If you listen to him live, yeah, it makes it it, it makes you feel bad about yourself. Yeah, because you you hear the pop version of it, uh-huh. and then you're just like, he's playing with Grateful Dead. All they oh, do yeah. is solos. Like, what do yeah. you mean? He can't do any of that. And then you look at his guitar work and then you look at the dumb faces that he's making. Like, I want to make those dumb faces and make my fingers move like that. And I don't know how he does that. Well, when I really like fell in love with him was watching a random YouTube video that he did from home where he was explaining like how he practices and what he practices playing wise. And he didn't get super technical and say like, oh, you just do these scales. Like he literally was like, okay, here's the phrase that I'm playing that I, I start with and I'll play that a couple times and I'll listen to it. And like he just, he broke it down in such a, I don't want to say a dumb way, but in such simple. a like simple universal feelings based, like just listen to it and, and listen to what the music wants to do and where it wants to go. Don't force yourself to do certain things because, oh, you practice this scale and this, and this pattern. So you have to play it like, no, 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 no. Just listen to it. And like talking about trying to do these things on playing a PRS, I think, and the way he had the bridge set, he was changing the way that he was playing. And I think it was in prep for playing with the Grateful Dead. He was, he was doing something with his right hand while he was picking and like pushing on the bridge weird to make it sound like an old slide guitar from like John Lee Hooker. I forget who else he was referencing, but like he was trying to do this thing with a guitar based on a recording that was done on a completely different kind of guitar, just that kind of stuff like makes, it, I mean, it inspires me, but it makes me respect the guy outside of that. Like, Oh, he's dated all these starlets and he <laughs> yeah, said yeah, this yeah. terrible thing in that playboy interview. Right. And like, you know, the tableau stuff, the internet will kill everybody at some point. Everyone's going to have said something terrible or, or done something, but we all got to grow. Or you don't, and you storm the Capitol. You know what? Whatever, I guess. Right, and hopefully, <laughs> uh, you get what's coming to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed, because I I don't know. 
I don't know. People are already starting to get fired from their jobs for getting caught on camera with that. So I saw that and I, that, that made me happy. Yeah. That makes me feel a lot better about humanity. But <laughs> political hellscape aside, guitars that I like, the, I, I don't know. I, I've prototyped a couple things based on my taste. So my Exo Moon model is basically the Blood Moon shape. And this was before Fender came out with that stupid Acoustasonic model. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that at all. I'll explain why I think it's stupid and not why Perfect. I don't think other people should necessarily think it's stupid, but I do. <laughs> Kiesel has a model, the, their Zeus acoustic. I think it's headless and it's a whole thing, but it's same thing. It's, it's, a, it's a thin body acoustic that's really built more like an electric and I'm obsessed with the thing. I've never even played one. I've just seen YouTube clips of it because I think acoustics are great but again there's all those weird issues with them that older generations have pushed on us and it's one of the guitars that just or kinds of guitars that just really hasn't been modernized and any weird right. attempts to modernize them are campy and and like martin just put out a new shape for the first time and i don't know how long and it's just crooked like i don't they didn't change anything they just made a, a droopy guitar now so i wanted something that's more accessible more comfortable that still sounds like an acoustic, but doesn't have that boxy, bulky feel. It'll feel more smooth. I wanted something that you don't have to, because also they're they're more uh, temperamental to temperature changes, humidity changes, and like mm -hmm. with that with that Koa acoustic, I yell at Jake constantly not to play it so much <laughs> out at gigs. Like he'll take it down to Wildwood and play gigs. I'm like, dude, you're gonna get a crack in it, and like it's rare wood. I I I can fix it, but like you're gonna freaking destroy the unicorn <laughs> of a guitar i made for you yeah this is a studio guitar can you leave it in there like maybe yeah. sealed <laughs> please it inspires <laughs> you please don't break it so i wanted something that's a little more indestructible again spending all that time around open mics that you can toss in the car in a gig bag and it's light and it doesn't take up a lot of space and you don't have to worry about it i basically tried to rip off kiesel by changing their design and again, not rip them off, but I tried to get down to what I thought the fundamentals of their design was and, and what I thought they tried to do and then do it my own way. And so that one was largely based on my taste because I like the feel of, you know, the blood moon in my lap, again, similar to a strat in terms of weight and shape, but I fully hollowed out a blood moon and put a, put a nice maple top on it. I made the whole thing the same scale length as a Martin so that it would sound like a Martin when it was plugged in. I found a uh, acoustic pickup that would work with my setup. I didn't really tell anybody or announce it or anything. I just made this thing. I think I took it to open mic, um, but they, they have a, a pretty nice setup. Sure. And Jake had his Martin there and I was like, okay, plug that in, play whatever this song is. Now plug this in and play that. And I didn't even play it. I made him play it. And he was like, how does it sound exactly the same? <laughs> These two guitars are nothing alike. It feels like an electric guitar. Like, you know, you have a, a slightly thinner neck, uh, thinner than an acoustic. Sure, sure. You have way more access because you can play all the way up to the last frets, which, I mean, you don't quote unquote need. I'm throwing air quotes around a lot and there's no video. <laughs> you don't need to play up that, uh, that far on the neck, but now you can. So... Again, if that inspires somebody on an acoustic to be able to solo up there, you can bend the strings, you can do all the stuff that Slash says you shouldn't be able to do on an acoustic. 
that was it. As soon as, as soon as I heard it sound exactly the way it sounded in my head, I was like, okay, so my taste and my ideas are good, I guess. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I have a, a new version of that. I'm going to build at some point this year that is more me influenced because I also play in like not a weird tuning. I play instead of in E standard, I play a whole step down in D standard. I like the feel of the strings a little more that loose. I'll play with heavier gauge strings to sure. compensate, but I like songs being that little bit lower for when I sing over them because I can sing. I mean, I can sing high, but I, I feel like it gives you more range to play around with stuff. And also, if you're covering songs and it's in a different key than you know the the way you're used to hearing it, I feel like it catches people off guard more often. Like, right. like my favorite thing right. to do at open mic is for someone to come up and start listening and be like, wow, this sounds good. And then, you know, however much longer later have that realization of like, oh shit, you're playing Careless Whisper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a second. That's not what I thought was going on in here. This is a George Michael party. I, I'm, I'm designing a guitar that's, that's more built to, you know, that tuning and the string gauge and that different sound that more so than the Exomoon does is I really going to, fucking break people's brains a little bit because you're going to see it and you're going to be like, wow, that looks cool. And then you're going to hear it and you're going to go, that's not right. <laughs> that's, that's wrong and I love it. <laughs> that's That's got to be exciting. And it sounds like you almost, like if the, the world ever becomes normal, you almost have a playground with the, the open mics yeah. to test out some new stuff, mm -hmm. which is really, really cool because then you can also hear it being played by other people. And now you're just like, oh yeah, this is this is nice. The concept that I have in my head is practical in real life. Like that that's yeah. that's gotta be cool too. Again, I'm I'm in an incredibly lucky position for a lot of reasons, and it makes it really hard to give other people advice for how they could get to be in my position. Right. But being in this area of South Jersey, you know, there's a really strong local music scene with a lot of different flavors. There's so much going on around here genre wise so if i have an idea that's whatever way because again all of my guitar designs are all over the place i have a little bit of something for everybody so if i come up with a metalhead guitar i can hit up zenora as long as i make it left-handed and have them try it out <laughs> uh, i am doing a guitar for the guitar player from kid felix now so that'll be cool I've got acoustic stuff, obviously, with the exomoons for more of the folky type guys that, again, maybe don't want to bring their Taylor sure. or their Martin around. Yeah. Have Strat and Telly based stuff for you know bluesy and country guys. Like all of that is around here locally to get that real time feedback. You know, I I would like to move far far away from here eventually, <laughs> and just it, not not for any reason, not to get away from anybody or anything like that. But just a life planning type thing. You know, if, yeah. if if we I don't want to say settle down. That's a weird phrase, but like if we have a kid or kids and and you know i i want to move somewhere further from all this hustle and bustle i feel like a lot of local mentalities around here develop because for whatever reason in south jersey people are born here and then they don't ever leave or they get old and crouchy and republican and they move to florida <laughs> and like those are the only two so like there's this weird campy small town thing that happens a lot which you know doesn't open you up to new experiences and so 
if we have a kid or kids, you know, I, I want them to grow up less of the hustle and bustle of around here, but more, you know, stuff going on than this insulated, more of the same over and over stuff. Yeah, that's that's got to be a weird dichotomy where you have that that small town feel, mm-hmm. but you have the bigger cities that are around you too. Yeah, so you can kind of get the splashes of culture, for lack of better terms, I think, mm-hmm. and the, like the splashes of of diversity, but you still have that hometown feel, which is weird because then it doesn't progress. I think because yeah. we yep. have the same we have the same thing. So I'm in Maryland, okay, and in Southern Maryland, it's kind of the same thing where we're only an hour or so away from DC, but we haven't like progressed as much as we probably should, right? With that connection there, it is still very much rural areas, small town areas, with that ability to drive to go to the city, right? Right. So it's it's always that that weird balance between okay, how do I want to bring people up in this area? Mm-hmm. How do I want to be able to explore the area? How do I want to be able to experience the area? Because I do want to have, if you're conscious about it, you want to have those different experiences yep. as well as kind of like, oh, this still feels like home. That's kind of the thing, right? Like, now I don't know if it's an American concept or if it is a, a more widespread thing, but like, in my perfect little brain world, which is the most unperfect thing, <laughs> you know, you, you, you grow up and you take as much information and culture and tradition as you can and you go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, and you spread it and you continue learning more. You don't just sit in the same spot and say that this is how we've always done it and this is how we will always do it. And I am going to be miserable when anything changes. I don't want change. I like it here in my small insulated community. We're all the same. All the same families have always lived here. Like that that stuff scares me. Yeah. Stagnation is is not a good thing. And I, I think that's for every every person. Mm-hmm. I think artists deal with it a lot. You've touched on it with that mental block yep. of everything has already been done. We're in a stagnant area. I can't do anything else. Right. My hands are tied. Everything's been done. I can't just cop, you know, all the different styles from everywhere else. Right. You know, that's that means that I'm not doing anything original. I'm not contributing to the world at all. Yep. And if you have that mental block out of the way and think about, you know, yourself in a in a bigger world picture and your sphere of influence, that right there will will get you I think where you need to go. And I like the fact that you are already thinking about that mm-hmm. and just the the way that you kind of think about how you should approach your impact on those around you. Sure. I, I really, really like that. So that kudos. <laughs> Thanks, man. I don't think a lot of people think like that. Yeah. And, you know, there, there, there's the personal reasons why I would want to do it. Again, family planning and stuff like that. But even for the business, Jersey's taxes are a nightmare. And again, I'm, I'm limited right now by the space that I'm in. I, when I started Moon Guitars, I was working out of the, a corner of the living room of our condo. I was routing bodies on the floor in our living room. Again, my wife is an incredible person for putting up with my journey and for supporting it and telling me to make that (laughs) full time in our living space. Cause there's just fire hazards everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, where, you know, now we, we bought a house a couple of years ago and, you know, I have the, it's like a partially finished basement. So like the partially finished side is my setup shop and, and where I store all the wood cause it's easier to control the humidity there. And then over on the unfinished side is where I have all the woodworking tools and, you know, I have to do my best to keep track of dust and, and yeah. all the fire yeah, yeah, hazards. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking about. I was like, man, that's going to be a dusty area. That's going to suck. It is most of the week and then you know <laughs> i bust out the shop vac and open up the uh belco doors and blow it all out and, and get it clean and again that's thank god i worked in a wood shop and they were closed on mondays uh they were open tuesday to saturday so every tuesday beginning of the week was the clean out the shop day so we start everything fresh and i, I really like that concept but limited by the space i'm in so uh, i want to get out to i you know we've been thinking like washington oregon where taxes are way, way cheaper and the amount of house you can get for a set price versus what you can get out here um, is very, very different. So there's pretty much a guarantee at the kind of houses we've been looking at that I would have a two, three, four car garage detached from the house and I'd have my own space that's out away and if you know we have a kid there's space for them they're not limited by what moon guitars is doing every dad's dream to have a workshop in the garage and have the kids not be around <laughs> i mean i i don't necessarily want the kids not around but like yeah you know i i just i want to be able to grow the business in it in an organic healthy way space wise and and not have to go rent a shop or buy a separate space and then not be at home because so far again i'm incredibly lucky lucky and thankful for the way that everything has worked out so far the pandemic hit things got shut down and we've had the quarantine and blah 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 i work from home anyway i don't go out other than before that to open mic so like i personally wasn't impacted very much and so I don't want to have to change that because it's great. We have two dogs. I'm always home with the dogs. We had a third dog for a, a bit. So like if we decide to get another dog at some point, you know, I'm home with them. I can train them. I'm, I'm always here if there's packages getting delivered. Yeah. Yeah. The little stuff that you don't necessarily like appreciate. Yeah. The, the things around having a job, like I cook too. Um, I've, I mean, I've cooked every night for Christ years now, but so always being able to just stop working and go upstairs and start cooking dinner, that kind of stuff. I don't want to get rid of that or have to adjust to that being different. <laughs> Talking about not wanting things to change <laughs> just because it, it works really well for our dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if we move somewhere else, I can just enhance that dynamic by still always being home, but having more space outside of the house that's not impacting whatever else is going on I'm not tracking wood dust up the stairs and the house smells like uh maple syrup because i was cutting <laughs> roasted maple today and it's in my beard like that kind of stuff i think would be much different but also scenery wise like having a shop out in you know maybe on the edge of one of the national parks in washington state would be talk about inspiring like yeah yeah how sick to be able to cut wood all day and build guitars and listen to uh, Soundgarden and then go sit out on the porch and look at Seattle in the distance and, you know, have all that nature and, and inspiration in front of you. 
I, I just, I feel like that's where, uh, that's where I get to go super saiyan, you know, and, and reach my, my final form. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's fantastic. All right. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up with three questions. Right on me. Before that, just the image of you just like being in the woods in a cabin, just mm-hmm. chopping wood and then making guitars in this cabin. Mm-hmm. Not a bad image. Like that's, mm-hmm. especially if you have, if you have the maple wood for your flavor saver in your beard. It's all right. I, I think that's I think that's good. My default outfit for a long time has been jeans and a flannel. So like the image that's in your head is pretty much dead on. <laughs> Just add like a purple mohawk and you're there. Oh yeah, that's the modern lumberjack. Uh, the, the, the punk rock lumberjack. That's <laughs> I, I am I am the modern hipster lumberjack. Yes. That's me. I'm the guy. Oh, that's beautiful. At least you're doing something good <laughs> instead of just being super pretentious the entire time. <laughs> I, I try. I went I went to Indianapolis uh, a few years back for a festival there. Mm-hmm. And Indianapolis is a, is a weird town because there's the small pockets of trying to still be like a, a quaint Midwestern town. Sure. But also like the hipsters have come in. Oh, yeah. So there, there was a sh- shop tuned to, for lack of a better word, uh, modern lumberjacks, or um, what? Is, what is the Metro Jack, Metro Lumberjack? If that, oh, if there's that, a word for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I have some studying to do. Yeah, yeah. I'll figure out the term <laughs> and and I give it to you. All right. Anyway, so it's like beard oils, flannels, leather jackets, all all this leather work in there. My people. If you want to spend at least two to three hundred dollars on a pair of jeans. If you want to spend at least $150 on a flannel shirt, sure. God. That's your bag if you want to. <laughs> they better be the most comfortable goddamn jeans on the planet. I, it didn't look like that. And uh, <laughs> I just wouldn't recommend. Zero out yeah. of 10. Yeah. Well, that, that's the hipster part of that culture, right? Yeah. That's overpriced because it's special or whatever. Yeah, because you think it's special. Yeah, that's. I I went in there and I was just like, I hate what you guys stand for. Even though I was going in there because like, oh, that that looks like something I would get. Right. (laughs) It's a weird. It's a weird balancing act, right? Sure. So one of the things that I want to ask you about Mm -hmm. is I have uh, I've interviewed another band named Geary from Boston, and one of the guitars from Geary makes metal necks and metal headstocks. And I don't know if you've seen anything like that. Aluminum? Aluminum, yep. Yep. Does he have a, a company for it or is he just doing it on his own? Yeah, he has a company for it. And I'll send it to you because I don't remember the name of it right off the, the break. But what I'm more interested for you, because we've talked about nature and, and all that stuff, have you even considered putting a piece of metal like that that's such a big piece onto you know, your beautiful wood that you're looking for, the, the pretty pieces of wood that you're looking for, because I think that would be a weird piece because it kind of takes some of the artistry out of it possibly, but I, I don't know. I, it, it's such a weird thing for me to think about when we're looking at like a, an artisan almost-esque guitar, right? Yeah. I mean, and rein me in if I go on a tangent because this is like my bread and butter. Sure. Well, this is one of the reasons why I brought it up. Yeah, I I love doing things like that that are against the grain or like the oh you can't you can't put that on that no fuck that yes I can and I will and I will make it sound good like the reason I started I don't want to say blowing up because I'm not that big but the reason I first went viral 
on uh, I think Reddit, and I didn't even post it. A friend of mine did. Oh, nice. I did this telly with purple epoxy and chunks of wood right around. I wasn't the first. I don't want to claim to be, but right around when the epoxy river stuff started taking off um, and like it went fucking wild on Reddit (laughs) and then like Ultimate Guitar shared it and like a a ton of pages shared it. Like I got probably a thousand followers like overnight and I was like, what? happened <laughs> what is going on i'll get messages and texts like hey i saw your post on reddit dude that thing looks great i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> what's going on so like I- i've done a couple guitars with uh epoxy and i don't do it as often anymore because i've been uh, i mean i just haven't had time really sure but sure i like using alternative materials and and i've talked to a couple companies about using aluminum necks on my stuff it's really just a cost thing at this present moment. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I don't set aside a lot of money for prototyping and, and R&D stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Not as much as I, I could. I, I really feel like anytime I get any personal profit, I immediately dump it back into tools or yeah. I'm buying wood left and right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ooh, shiny. Yeah, basically. Like, <laughs> oh, dang it. There goes a new saw blade because I had to buy that maple top. Yeah, I I would love to, and I really would love to even push that envelope further. I know a couple companies that make all metal guitars that are super cool, but you know there there's some attributes with that that you have to know guitars really well to be able to counter. Right, right. Whether it's weight or a really bitey tone, you know, there, there's there's ways that you have to work around that that. I feel pretty prepared to do that. I see other people not doing, you know, no judgment either way. I just, yeah, I, it, it excites me to get into that world. I love it. Push the envelope as much as you can. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's it, man. That that's great. There's no real rules. Like, I mean, there's no rules anyway. We all just agree that rules are what they are and that we should follow them. But <laughs> that's, that's philosophy. <laughs> yeah you can you can do anything and if you can do it well then you're a genius for doing it so it's really just figuring out how to get to that side of it i love it with with all of your journey so far what do you think is the thing that you've learned most about yourself about myself mm-hmm. oh, i just said we were going to stay away from philosophy <laughs> this is a great question because it really ties back into what i was saying earlier about how hard it is for me to give anybody else advice about how to get to where I am. There's a million and one ways that you could get the technical knowledge to know what I know and do what I would I do. And there's nothing groundbreaking I can tell you about how to learn how guitars work or how to make, make them or how to repair them. What I've learned the most about myself, I work best alone, but I can't only work alone. And what I've learned is that I have to be more selective about the company I keep and not in a like braggy way or pride way. Like I'm a pretty person. I, people just like to come <laughs> up and talk to me. Like I have big blue eyes and if people lock eyes with me, like that's it. They're going to come over and talk to me always. The worst people at every freaking bar I go to just they fucking lock onto me and come over <laughs> and I'm too nice and polite. And I will let them talk my ear off and ask me questions mm. and just tell me about all their tattoos. Like just the shittiest people lock onto me and I give them the time of day or worse. I don't 
as quickly recognize when people are trying to take advantage of me. Sure. Yeah. And I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I think the thing that I've learned over the years, and the pandemic has really highlighted it more, while people aren't communicating with each other as much or seeing as much of each other in person, is just keeping better company, more supportive company, people that actually care about you and don't just want something from you. And that's also the advice I would give to anybody starting a business, starting a band, doing anything in life. Don't be afraid to break connections. Don't be afraid to upset people. Don't upset people just to do it, but don't feel like you have to stay stagnant. Yeah. Pretend to be friends with somebody or polite to somebody to whatever. Like if, if people aren't being supportive of you or don't actually care about you, if you get that feeling, you're probably right. You know, there's exceptions to everything always and, and, there's no good ironclad way to go about it, but know, know who your real friends are and make sure you support the people you do care about as best you can, but don't feel like uh, you owe it to the world to you know, give them the time of day if they don't actually deserve it. There's an average in all things for a reason, and that's because there's extremes on either end of that average equally far away from it, and nobody usually falls in that middle line. So you being able to figure out, is this a person that gives a shit or is this something that wants something from me? Someone that wants to be associated with me and, and you know, tag on to me being popular at a bar or sure, yeah, they want to get a free guitar out of me or free repairs or, you know, do Whatever, they genuinely yeah. just enjoy what I do? That's beautiful. I, I love that. What do you think keeps you motivated to keep doing what you're doing? I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that the fact that I'm lucky enough to make a business and a living out of the thing that I'm a dork about, the thing that I'm obsessed about is incredible and I'm so grateful for it. But uh, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with guitars. I don't I, like I'm, I'm glad that the gears clicked finally for me to be like, wow, this isn't a thing I have to do on the side. This can this can be my life as long as I don't approach it with that like i need to make the most money or i you know sure, i have yeah. to get x out of this uh i don't know what keeps pushing me forward i just i i don't ever stop like i'm i'm glad i got out of the situation with my cousin because there was a weird toxic environment with everyone else that does this is is not as good and like oh this person's uh, a okay. clown where as soon as i started doing my own thing and i Right around when I started getting bigger on Instagram, again, not that I'm big. Sure. I have maybe 4,400 followers, but I've made so many friends in the industry just by being me, just by being polite and commenting on other people's stuff that it looks good and you know, sharing people's stuff without asking for anything in return is fun for me. And like, I sit around on Instagram and just look at guitars anyway and get inspiration and get ideas. And, and that was always what I was going to be doing regardless of what my job was yeah so the fact that i get to turn that into something that makes money for me is cool and fun and rewarding but i it's just my brain's broken and and guitars are what i uh bandage it up with you know i love it that's that's fantastic that's a great answer <laughs> it's like if if you really loved i don't know anime and watched anime yeah. all the goddamn time if you got a job in an animation studio or talking about it or whatever yeah right if you if you make money and uh, doing a podcast talking about 
the latest episode of WWE. Like, you know, whatever you can do to turn the thing that you are a dork for that you can't not think about into something that works for you is what I feel like the modern American dream is. And I'm just happy to be attempting to live it. <laughs> that's perfect. That, we'll end it there. That's, that's beautiful. Great job. <laughs> Thanks, man.